Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. It's Alexa here with something a bit different for you today, as I'm joined by not one, but two lovely guests. One is Kat Ogden, a singer and vocal coach who specialises in singing for mental health and well-being, who can also be heard on episode 55 of this podcast talking about just that. And Sarah Joyce, a very good friend of mine, who is a singer and vocal coach who founded Sing Now and who also works in higher education at university and drama school. Kat and Sarah, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. It's lovely to see you and a congratulations is in order to you both as you are having a baby how are you feeling Kat I'm feeling okay thank you 31 weeks nice and when's your due date um 2nd of September creeping up creeping up and how about you Sarah how's everything going for you yes really good um enjoying third trimester (laughs) amazing and when's your due date 24th of August. Ah, I mean, I'm one of those annoying people like, it's coming soon. It is. <laughs> Not like you have to be told that. You're like, yes, I have known that <laughs> for the last few months. <laughs> um, and this is really the topic of our episode for today, which is focusing on the singer and the vocal coach who becomes pregnant and what experiences that might bring. So, can we just start and reflect? pre-pregnancy just for a second um and Sarah for you were there any considerations that you had to have in your mind before you started your your journey into growing your family whether that was business wise or physical impacts that you were worried about yeah it was a big decision um to start trying for a family because my partner's also self-employed so in my head I was like ah how's it gonna work um sorry recovering from covid so (laughs) little phlegm here um so yeah it, it was a big decision um but it took a lot longer than we thought it would to actually get pregnant we actually started having some tests and found out that we needed to go through IVF so um so that was a a whole nother process um we were very very fortunate that we only needed one round how did that feel for you emotionally and did that impact on your teaching and how you approached your teaching or how it felt to have that schedule every week yeah that was quite a hard time actually. Um, I found teaching um, a really nice distraction from it all, but um, it was quite hard because I'm the kind of person that thinks, okay, if I, if I want something, if I work really hard, then I should be able to, you know, move towards that goal and, and achieve it. But it's something that you just have no control over. Um, and you don't know how long it's going to take, if it's ever going to work. So it was quite an emotional time, actually. Um, I would say waiting to start IVF was more difficult for me emotionally 
than actually starting IVF and the sort of two weeks of injections. Once I'd started and I had a plan, I was absolutely fine. But it was the it was the build up and the not knowing how I was going to um, handle the medication. Um, but yeah, actually, I was really quite lucky. I think it does depend. Everyone's different and everyone will be on a slightly different dosage. I think I was quite middle of the road um, with my sort of dose. Um, but yeah, once once there was a plan in place, it was um, it was much easier. And then we had a few kind of quite tricky days where you have the eggs taken out and you find out how many they've got. Um, and that can be a real emotional roller coaster because um, you don't find out until after the um, operation how many eggs they've got. And then it was the following day that um, they tell you if any have turned into uh, are, are procedable, are viable. Um, and then it goes dark for five days. So, you know, you know nothing because they don't want to disturb the eggs. Um, and it's on that sort of, I think it's on the sixth day that you are booked in to have the um, eggs implanted again. But you don't know until that morning whether you actually have any blastocysts to be implanted. So it's a is a really emotional, tricky roller coaster that you just have to take it day by day, week by week. And I think in terms of my teaching, I was really lucky to have um, very, very supportive uh, parents. I've had clients that have been with me for years. So I was able to kind of give people a heads up and just say, look, I do have some um, hospital appointments coming up. I will have to chop and change lessons. So I need you to be flexible um, with me. And there were no questions asked. Everybody was fantastic. Um, I think that some of my parents had actually gone through IVF and without me needing to say anything, actually kind of guessed that that might be something that was, was happening. Um, so on one hand, it was not as bad as I thought and quite, um, yeah, just not as difficult. And on another hand, some days were, were really challenging. Um, I think I did have to reduce my workload. Um, I was quite lucky when I started the IVF cycle. I think it was near the end of November. So, um, yeah, those sort of three weeks, it was kind of term was sort of winding down. Um, of course, it's a really busy time for gigs. So I just had to, um, I, I didn't really, I did a couple of gigs and I noticed that my voice was um, a little bit tired, a little bit tired. Um, so I really did have to pace myself. But I think that I remember one gig that I did um, I had to take a, an ice pack. I had to take the injection with me. And um, they tell you to take the evening injection at the same time every day. But how can you, when you're in the middle of a gig singing, quickly, you know, squeeze an injection into your stomach? Um, so I was panic struck that, but what if I'm, um, you know, singing at that moment in time? How, how am I going to take this injection at this time? And when I called up the clinic, they said, oh, it's it's fine. You've got a two hour window. 
So, ah, panic over. Um, So it was fine. And I just let my um, kind of uh, the girl that I was singing with, I just said to her, you know, I I need to, I need to take this. I need to make sure that I've got a break between this time. And she was absolutely um, amazing. Everyone was so supportive. And I think you realize once you start talking about IVF is actually so many people, so many people go through it. Um, and I found talking about it really, really helped because everyone was so supportive and I really did have a great support network around me. Um, even my, even some of my neighbors had had um, a couple of children via IVF and they were an amazing support. And for you, Kat, this is your second child, isn't it? So how did you find considering growing your family even further and how did you envision kind of managing all this with your son as well? So my my son is three and a half, is going to be four in December. And we know, we we knew uh, as a as a couple that we wanted um this kind of age gap between our children and that it was kind of, there's never a good time is there you can always think of a million excuses or reasons not to have a baby try for a baby grow your family but for us it felt like the right time uh and I throughout having my son I've built up the, this small business so I know that I could do this I know that that, that what I do can evolve around having a family as well we, we've made it work and that it was sort of a now or never but we we were trying um I think there was about six months that went by when nothing really happened and we were getting to the point where we were thinking maybe now isn't the right time maybe we should hit pause for a little while because it gets to that point where it it sort of infiltrates into your everyday you want to check you want to know you're so in tune with your body and what's going on so you know we were kind of getting to the point where we were thinking let's hit pause and then found out that that I was pregnant so yeah on New Year's Eve which I was telling you about just before (laughs) what a great day to find out well, on this day, so we had a massive run up to Christmas. I've uh, I let go of some work so that I could make room for some really exciting projects that were going on with work, and I'm doing a master's as well, which I love, and you know, just wanted to free up more time. Um, so I did that, and then got to the Christmas holidays, and I got COVID. So I spent, and you know, because my partner, he had a, this massive exam on New Year's Eve. He had to, we, we live in Cheshire and he had to travel all the way to South Wales to take this exam on, on New Year's Eve. And it was this day, or he would have to relearn five years worth of training that it took to get him to this point of taking this exam. It, when I say it was huge, it was like massive. So when I got COVID, I was quarantined in uh in our bedroom so I couldn't hug my son I was we we had um I had a visor that I used in singing lessons you know like a clear screen that we put up on the corridor and I would sit on one side with a storybook and my little boy would be on the other end and oh it was just it was it was really tough and I felt rubbish but I can't decipher what was COVID and what was early pregnancy symptoms I had no idea that I was pregnant so then 
Robbie, my partner, he goes off and does this exam and, you know, I'm free. I can go to the shop. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, life is good. And me and Alfie went and picked this, um, Alfie's my son. Uh, we went and picked this really luxurious dinner that we made for Robbie, made it all about him because this exam, blah, blah, blah. He comes home and um, we I had a bottle of bubbly. I was quite excited to share with him and it's New Year's Eve, you know. And I said, oh, I just feel a little bit funny. I'm just going to go, I'll take a test to rule it out, but I don't think I am. And I could not have been more shocked when I saw, because it came up almost straight away. I think I must have been about four or five weeks by then. Um, and I just didn't, I, 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 I just didn't know. So Robbie was ecstatic and I was just in shock. I would have been, I would have been like, I'm in shock because that bottle of bubbly <laughs> is waiting for me and I would like a glass, thank you. <laughs> and in preparation for talking to you both today, I was reading up on kind of singing in pregnancy and seeing what was out there. And I was led to the work of Dr. Catherine Gardner, who is a soprano teacher and researcher at East Carolina University in North Carolina. And she found that there was quite little research actually on pregnancy and singing. And I don't know if, if either of you have come across anything yourselves, but she conducted a study through interviews and she surveyed about 444 singers. And I believe that only 23% of those were pregnant at the time. I think others were reflecting on their pregnancy and what they experienced. But she was trying to understand the, the physical, emotional and social impacts of pregnancy in the classical realm. But we can, you know, pass this on to other uh, styles as well. Um, and her dissertation can be found on her website and that's singingfortwo.com and I'll pop it in the show notes. And I'll just refer to what she was kind of discovering along the way there. So... Sarah, coming back to you, if that's okay, on your IVF journey, did you find that that had any physical or vocal impact or side effects for you? I didn't notice when I was teaching any vocal side effects. Um, I did notice when I was gigging, my stamina wasn't quite the same. Um, but I do think that that, <clears throat> I do wonder if that was more the emotional stress of the injection, is it cold enough, you know? Um, so yeah, I just felt a little bit um, uh, swollen. But no, in terms of my teaching, um, I didn't notice uh, any any problems vocally. Mm. And in, in Dr. Gardner's research, she was noting some of the common physical experiences and, and they've been listed as nausea, vomiting, and some women have said how that actually singing made them feel more sick. Um, fatigue, especially within the first trimester, which Sarah, that might be what you were feeling there potentially. Um, breathlessness, swelling, uh, difficulty sleeping and reflux. Uh, and some women that I've spoken to again ahead of this, it, they've mentioned that their lower range became much deeper and much richer during pregnancy. So just sticking in the challenging changes, because that's me, ever the optimist. <laughs> um, Kat, you experienced quite debilitating sickness, didn't you? Yes, I had the diagnosis of hypermesis gravitarum. I think that's how you say it. Mm. It's a Harry Potter spell, isn't it? It is. <laughs> and I really do enjoy that spin on it. 
I love yeah, that. as we said before, anything that makes it feel a little easier than it, it probably felt at the time. So what can you just explain what that is and what impact that had on you? So if I compare it to my first pregnancy with my son, I, I was sick, but in comparison, um, and I say this very lightheartedly, I was a bit of a princess in that first pregnancy, you know, um, I, I really did take every step of it very like, Oh, I, I really do feel sick. Whereas this time with high premises, it is relentless sickness all day, all day through the night. I was being sick up to 20 times a day and it, I lost weight. I was hospitalized twice. I had no quality of life. Uh, but something that Sarah touched on earlier about teaching being a distraction, because I am self-employed, there isn't a there isn't anybody else to fall back on. There isn't anyone else who can pick up my lessons and my students and and teach them or or know where their journeys are or or you know. And that there's no really there's no good sick pay or anything like that or benefits so it really was a case of just grinding through it and I put breaks in either side I was literally vomiting either side of lessons but luckily because singing lessons for my my students coaching sessions whatever I'm doing is nothing to do with me it's not about me it's about them and their experience and their vocal journey so you're almost able to dissociate from that awful feeling of constant nausea and then as I was getting towards the end of the lesson and we were wrapping up into a cool down I was like right okay okay any minute now any minute now and then I'd run to the toilet be sick and start again so yeah it was completely debilitating Mm. and of course with with being sick we're we're passing the gastric fluids back through the throat sorry if anyone's listening whilst they're having a lovely snack um but that's happening (laughs) and did that have any effect on you vocally? Did you notice any changes there? Yeah, yeah, completely. I, I mean, I have acid reflux anyway, so I take a meprazole for that. But even a meprazole wasn't really touching the edges. I was going through Gaviscon like you no know, tomorrow, and it's just a constant um, feeling. But because I did the vocal health first aid course, and I'm, I, I love anything to do with vocal health, I was, I was doing the steaming as I do every day and gentle SOVTs and just eating food that, that wouldn't spark off for my gas, for, for my acid reflux to get any worse than it already was. Mm. And what medication did you have to be on for the hyperemesis? Well, so I think this is a bit of a postcode lottery for the support that you get when, when you're sick. And I think I'm really fortunate to be linked with the hospital that I am. I'm, I'm at a um, hospital called Leighton and they've been incredible. So that there's a, there's a ladder of medication. And if there is anybody listening who is, has or knows somebody that's struggling with pregnancy sickness, there is a, um, an Instagram page and a website called Pregnancy Sickness Support. And, and they have uh, a list of all the medication and, and the protocol and what to do if you're not given the medication that you need or, or, or how to tackle those kind of um, aspects of pregnancy sickness. Um, but, but through them, uh, I went, uh, I spoke to this pregnancy sickness support and then went through my GP and I started off with something called cyclozine. 
Um, and But that made me really drowsy. So I couldn't take that and teach because I'd just fall asleep when someone was saying so that would not be ideal. And then they put me onto the next step of the ladder, which I can never say this medication, it's meta something. And I think, one of, I can't remember which way around it is, either cyclozine or the meta one, um, controls your, one of them controls your brain and tries to control where the, the, that feeling of nausea is happening in your brain. And the other one works with your stomach and tries to stop that sickness from happening from, from down there. So neither of them really worked for me. And then at my 12 week scan, I was taken aside by a doctor because I'd already been hospitalized at, at this point. And I, I waited after my scan and saw a doctor and they said, you need to go on Andonzatron. And Andonzatron, I know through the pregnancy sickness support and through fellow mums that have experienced HG, uh, it, it's it's quite a good one. And it works both the brain and the stomach together. And taking that helped to start to ease the sickness. Mm. Mm. And have you noticed any vocal side effects from taking that medication? I know there's that lovely list, isn't there, that of all the medications that um, have been recorded with potential side effects. So did you notice anything there? No, I, no, I didn't. The, the only things that I've noticed in general through pregnancy with my voice is that it's perhaps not as reliable as it was before I I think my breath setup has changed but that's more that's nothing really to do with medication that I'm taking Mm. Mm. but personally no no medication I've taken has affected my voice Mm. and Sarah did you notice or have you noticed anything like acid reflux or any in the later stages difficulty breathing or having to manage breath in a different way because obviously there's less room isn't there less room for that distension or the diaphragm to be able to I guess lower in a way that we would when we're not pregnant yes absolutely um acid reflux throughout trimesters one two and three has been a really big one um for me um and so I was prescribed the liquid gaviscon but I really can't I I really hate it I can't get on with the liquid one so um I pushed and pushed and pushed and eventually got prescribed the tablets um gaviscon advanced tablets um you can get them over the counter but when you need them that much they really do add up um so yeah I I thought that um, acid reflux you might only just get kind of in the third trimester when there's less room and that's affecting your digestion but no it was really from day dot um, and sometimes it was so bad that I it was giving me a cough um, so yeah so that was particularly unpleasant and I just really um, have learned to eat very bland foods <laughs> um, yeah, my partner hates it because every dinner is just beige and flavorless. <laughs> and I'm happy with that. Yeah. No spice whatsoever. I can't even have pepper. Um, yeah. So I think I've just kind of learned to manage it now. But I'm um, now that I'm in the third trimester, I, I have now started to need iron tablets. And um, I have to be quite careful because you're not supposed to have the um, Gaviscon advanced um, for a couple of hours before or after taking the iron because it uh, affects the absorption. Um, 
So, yeah, so acid reflux has, reflux has been a big one. Um, and yes, I think now that I'm get 31 weeks, um, the baby's just every week kind of really putting on weight and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I am definitely noticing um, that breathing is, is harder and add COVID on top of that um, really affects the breath. But yeah, there's just a little less, um, a little less room um but i i don't sing in a classical style so i i don't have kind of huge through lines when i'm singing so i think um it's absolutely been fine and manageable and um, but what i would say is i did a lot of teaching in my second trimester um and my voice was felt really um solid so there were definitely um moments where I thought oh I've, I've done a, a, a lot of vocal work today a lot of belting a lot of yelling and I don't feel remotely tired. Putting a positive spin on things now because I think that's what's needed <laughs> there there are some positive impacts that women have expressed being pregnant um, one being in particular that Dr uh, Gardner's research showed up was actually people became more aware of their breathing um, and also this reordering of priorities for them, as well as a positive improvement on performance anxiety and like this, I don't really give a shit attitude. <laughs> so Kat, you do some great work with singing for well-being and mental health. So I'm interested in whether you've noticed any emotional improvements or these positive impacts on you whilst being pregnant. Yes, I have. I have, and I, I've not thought about it specifically which is somebody who is so invested in singing for mental health and well-being, you would think that I would be um, hyper aware of, of, of that aspect. But when it comes to performing, I am more relaxed than I ever have been. You know, I, I've, and it is that kind of um, effort attitude, I think. And I've, I'm much more, the, the gigs that I'm doing, I'm much more present in the moment and leading up to those performances than I am outside of pregnancy. Mm. Mm. And vocally, have you noticed anything positive coming from from that other than it being a more positive, less anxious performance? I think I'm enjoying it more. I, th I think from that, actually, vocally, there are aspects of my voice that I've, I've not been able to reach in the same way. And, you know, like you were saying, I've, I've adapted as I've, as I've gone along, depending. I, I found it different in each trimester particularly when I was um, quite sick, I really didn't do any singing outside of uh, teaching. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel, I feel like, yeah, my voice has been in quite good shape. Amazing. And Sarah, you, I mean, you have the voice of a thousand angels anyway. So what, have you noticed anything in particular of, ah, that actually feels a bit better whilst you've been singing and gigging or whilst you've been teaching? Um, I think when I've been teaching, um, I think my lessons are better. I think I'm just more relaxed, agreed, more present, um, and just um, just not putting so much pressure on things. And um, yeah, just kind of big picture thinking and just having having a bit more fun. Um, yeah, I think um, it's a strange time at the moment now coming up to this transition 
um, of feeling like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm according to my diary, I'm, I'm supposed to finish work in two weeks, but I don't really feel ready to. <laughs> um, I, I, I love my job so much. And, um, but I think when you're self-employed, you do really um, have the flexibility to be able to say, well, actually, I've said that I'd probably start work in January, but actually, let's see how things are going. Because if I'm feeling, um, if I'm not feeling too tired and, and depending on the baby's schedule, um, I mean, I'm only, I'm only a first time mum cat, so I, 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 you know, I don't know how, how it's going to be, but um, hopefully I will be able to start um seeing students a little bit sooner um but it does get a bit complicated with maternity allowance and the 10 keeping in touch days that you're allowed to do and, and that kind of thing so it will be a little bit of juggling as you say Sarah it's a job that you really enjoy and it's one-to-one with your students a lot of the time unless you're doing you know your choirs or your group work so how do you envision you, you so January is where you're hoping to return is it yeah, I think with choir, um, I'm going to give that a little bit longer because actually I share that role. We job share uh, me and another friend and she's actually uh, had had a baby recently as well, um, six weeks ago. Um, so I think I'm going to leave it a little bit longer for choir only because those sessions are evening times, kind of 7.30 till 9, 9.30. Um, and I think... I wonder if evening times are, are going to be a good time to teach or not, because I, I, I think that's going to be a, a, a busy time. So I'm thinking, yeah, that I'll kind of start back up bit by bit um, in the in the day. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully my uh, partner or my mum will be on hand. Um, but I did notice, Kat, on your website that you've got a very clear, it's very clear, you know, I'm going to be on maternity leave from this day and lessons will carry on until then. Um, And I thought that was great. And I did consider kind of putting something on my website like that as well, but I just haven't been able to kind of make a decision and, and kind of stick to it yet with, with where I'm, I'm going to stop. And so Kat, what are your plans? What do you envision? And, and what, what have you learned from having your son? With, with Alfie, um, I was back teaching at four months. I felt ready at four months to pick up one day. And then after, I think it was maybe after about six weeks, I picked up another day and then slowly built it up um, to what it is now. But what did happen, because the, the line between being a parent and being a small business owner, working mum, is so, so fine and blurred. You know, uh, I I was saying the other day, who was it? What podcast? I was listening to Happy Mum, Happy Baby. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention other podcasts. You absolutely can, yeah. Happy Mum, Happy Baby, G Fletcher. It's one of my favourites. And she had somebody on, and now the name escapes me, but she said the pressure to parent as if you don't have a job and do your job as if you're not a parent is, is incredible. You know, and I've really found that. So with Alfie, I have two set daytimes that are just me and him, Mondays and Fridays in the day and me and Alfie days. And and we do things together then. But every single evening, 
I work. So Monday to Friday, I work. I have two evenings in that week where I can put into bed and it's in a time frame because I've, I've made a gap between lessons. And then I also teach on a Saturday morning. And that is sacrificed quite a lot because I love my job. I love my job. I love my students. I am so passionate about teaching the voice and singing. And I can never imagine doing anything else. But finding the line, and, and I, I think because I was really excited about starting up Cat Ogden singing and doing my CPD and, you know, the students that I've got and expanding and people come in like, have you got any room for a lesson? And you just kind of make it work because you want to teach everybody and help everybody. And um, but that sacrificed directly time with, with with my son. And I am fortunate to have those two days, but it's also put quite a lot of pressure on my partner as well. So this time round, um, I've been really clear. And thank you, Sarah, for, for what you said about um, my website. I really did want to make it clear. And that's mostly because people were coming through asking for lessons. And then I'm having the conversation of, well, actually, I'm pregnant and I'm not going to be teaching from this date. And it's like, oh, gosh, right. I kind of wish I hadn't have made that inquiry now because, you know, they probably want a long term teacher that's not going to go off and have a baby. Um, But with the students that I've got, um, I don't know about either of you, but I get really invested you know, you don't just teach them singing, you know about their families, you know about what's happening in their lives, you create such a good bond. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. It's okay. Um, I turned my phone on aeroplane mode. Can I blame that on baby brain? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really invested in, in my students and I, I feel like this time, because... I believe this is the last this is the last baby that I will have. I believe that this is the, this is where I would quite like to stop. Um mostly because of the experience with hyperemesis, but also I love the idea of having two children and I'm having a little girl. So I've got um a little boy and a little girl and that just feels really right for us. I really want to enjoy it. I think last time with Alfie, something that I'm very, very open about talking about is my mental health. And I am an anxious person and I was very anxious with Alfie. Unfortunately, dramatic side note, I I lost my mum when I was 16 and she had quite severe mental health. So it's something that I took very, very seriously through my pregnancy. And I, I am now as well, I'm being well supported now because of that high risk factor of what my mum experienced, it's likely that I could as well from a genetic perspective. Um, So last time, I think I was far more worried. And there were things because you don't know what you're doing. I mean, I still don't know what I'm doing. And I've forgotten half of the things that happen in pregnancy. I've redone my hypnobirthing course. I I forgot about burping after. I was reading a book the other day and it said about after after your baby's had their milk, and you're burping them. And I was like, oh my goodness, burping? What? I've completely forgotten about this whole thing that we had to do. But I want to enjoy it anyway. So I'm going a bit off piste, but I want I want to really just go headfirst into being with that baby and seeing my little boy become a big brother and navigating all of that all together. So I don't know what teaching is going to look like on the other 
end. And therefore, I've spent a very long time during this pregnancy getting teachers together to recommend my students onto. And, and I've tried to think about their own personal journeys, who's going to match them really well and what I really want for them. Their vocal journey doesn't end with me having a baby. They want to carry on, you know, learning their craft, improving their vocal technique, working on their repertoire. So I, I'm trying to find people, and I, I think I have, I think I'm about 90% there, that, that I can recommends them onto and they can carry on that journey because I don't want them to feel obliged to come back to me because it's very unlikely that I will teach in the evenings after maternity like you Sarah I'll start in the day and I believe I need to give Robbie some time back because he's spent how many years doing every evening or being on hand every evening and having no freedom in those evenings because of me and and my job Mm. And Sarah, have you uh, had any considerations about who to recommend your students to or what that might look like for them? Oh, I'm going to sound like a terrible teacher now, but I actually didn't think about <laughs> recommending anybody else. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but now I will. Yes, now I'll, now I'll start having a think about it. Um, I think for me, I have sort of um, I've already started taking on um, more daytime work. So um, a couple of months ago, I started at the um, University of Creative Arts lecturing um, and I'm going I'm going to go back and do a few days in December and, and start again working for them in January. So I've been working on building up more my daytime teaching um, and I've also started um, coaching at Italia Conti. Um, so I've been, yeah, slightly thinking, actually, let's let's move more into um, uh, daytime work and I'll still be able to keep, you know, some of my privates and some of my regulars. But um, I just wanted to have a bit more flexibility um, with with the daytime slots, I think. Um, but yes, no, I need to think about other teachers um, and being able to forward people on but it, it I do understand that um, morally I have had a few inquiries recently and um, yeah you 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 just have to be honest with people and say look you can start I can teach you for the next you know four weeks um, but I'm you know it's going to be slightly harder to 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 fit you in after that or you're going to have to have a little bit of a break or um, but as long as people are, are aware of that, then they can make their own decisions as to whether that works for them. Um, I'm quite good at setting homework and, um, you know, I've got a Google Drive Dropbox where I um, put exercises on and things. So people are expected to kind of keep up their own practice in between lessons. So for some people, they only want a, a drop in once a month or you know once every few months so for some people it it will be fine and it will still work. Is there anything that you feel from your experience or what you've researched or talked about with other coaches that needs to be addressed in terms of starting a family or how it feels to be a self-employed person who is wanting to grow their family do you feel supported by your network of other coaches and other and, and singers or is there something that still needs work? Kat, what do you think on that? In terms of singers, 
Um, I teach major- the majority of my clientele are teenagers or at college. So I work quite a lot with their families and they're wonderful. They're so understanding. And, you know, if um, it, it is a consideration having a bit, and there, there's the dread of saying, I'm pregnant and, and worrying that everyone's just going to drop and run because they can see that there's a an end in sight. But I've been so well supported, mm. incredibly so, really, especially right at the beginning. I, there's the whole wait until you're 12 weeks thing before. But I did tell a lot of my students before then, especially when I was in hospital. I'm not I don't I, I respect them too much to lie, you know, so um in in that perspective yeah it's been, I have had a couple of funny circumstances where I've had a few people who were shocked when I've said about recommending teachers which, which every other coach I've talked to have also said oh it's not even something I think about I think it's my anxious overthinking brain that that, that comes into that mostly um but they said what what do you mean you're finishing I'm like oh well I'm I'm pregnant. They're like, I know, but I didn't think you were finishing teaching. (laughs) Um, So there's been a few funny conversations like that. And it's all very, you know, lighthearted and and Mm -hmm. such like. Um, And in terms of other coaches, again, yeah, I do. I I feel generally well supported. I've not had any situations where I felt like people don't necessarily understand. I mostly work or know women or family members or people that know people with families Mm. Mm. how about you Sarah is there anything that you've come across that's made you feel that somebody hadn't understand maybe particularly with your journey with IVF or has it I know you've said that actually all your clients and parents have been really supportive but have you seen anything in particular no really supportive um families I think that um on the odd occasion when I have had some clients that I knew wouldn't be happy with me um, changing times or wouldn't be able to be flexible, I have filtered them out when I've needed to at, at crucial times, like during the IVF, um, during that first stage of pregnancy. Um, so I think you do have to um, look after yourself first Um and make sure that you've got clear boundaries um and yeah and then you avoid any um unnecessary stresses or any confusion there um but no on the whole um everyone's been really quite good and i think other coaches have been really good i think everyone's starting to to talk more about it and to um share their experiences and share how they're managing things and i think in my head initially I thought well I'm pregnant having a baby um it's I don't know how I'm going to manage work and from talking to people like um Amelia or from hearing about Amelia Carr and her journey with pregnancy and Ginevra Williams was saying to me that um she started working two weeks a couple of weeks after she um had had a baby um and yeah, I think um, I think everybody is different, but everyone's quite open minded um, and and supportive of what works for you. And um, if you want to carry on working or if you want to change your schedule around, you know, you've got to you've got to do what works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then hopefully 
you'll have students that are um, also doing what works for them and everyone's happy. Yeah, absolutely. And Kat and Sarah, congratulations again. I couldn't wish you more luck and love as you bring these babies into the world. Uh, Sarah, where can people find out more about you and get in touch if they if they want to chat? Yeah, so sarah-joyce.co.uk or my business is sing-now.co.uk and I'm based in Guildford and also in Surbiton. Amazing. And Kat, how about you? Um, So you can find me at Kat Ogden Singing. That's my website and my Instagram and all of my socials. Uh, I'm based in Cheshire. I teach online. I have a studio. Yeah, I think that's everything isn't it amazing and you know where to find me ladies if you want any auntie duties cat from afar sarah i can make it to guildford it's all good (laughs) yay i'll book you in (laughs) oh thank you so much for what i think is a really important discussion i'll catch you soon good luck thank you thank you have some thoughts about this episode or maybe there's a topic you'd like us to discuss or a guest you'd like us to feature why not head over to social media and tell us all about it we're at bass training on instagram and forward slash bass training on facebook that's b-a-s-t training we'd love to hear from you you can drop us a message at any time see you over there